When I was in Turkey, I had the privilege and the honor of being with some of the most beautiful believers that I'd ever met in my life. But some of them, I took pictures of the meetings, and if you notice, none of the pictures we put up had anyone's face in it. Not one of the pictures had someone's face, except for the speakers who were all already known. Why? Some of those dear believers came out of Iran to come to the meeting. They are leaders of churches from Iran. Uh, we were there on purpose. <clears throat> We were speaking to leaders in Turkey and out of Iran, and one from Afghanistan. They are on a daily basis risking their life to bring the gospel. And it was a privilege to be able to share with them and to pour into them. And while I was there, the Lord said to me, he said, do you not understand this is what I want my people to do? That this is not the hour to get caught up in who likes you, who don't like you, who said something nice about you, who didn't, who's trying to take my ministry, who likes my ministry, who liked me on Instagram, who liked me on Facebook, who going to have a meal with me, who not going to eat with me. We are stuck in American problems. Spending our time depressed about American issues. Losing our mind and can't come to church because somebody didn't hug you. We spend all of our time trying to get everybody else to agree with our depression. With our offense. With our woundedness. And I'm sitting there looking at believers who, when they said yes to Jesus... They not only risked their lives, but some of their own family kicked them out. They have family members they hadn't spoken to in years because they, when they said yes to Christ and they knew the day I receive him, my life is over. Some of them have been through hell on earth. Some at the threat of death are preaching the gospel. Churches that have been beaten and destroyed and people who have been beaten and put in prison and they get up every day and read the word and say, God, I choose you. And God had to remind me why after I spent years traveling around Africa, I prayed that God would let me live in Africa because I never wanted to come back to the States because I told the Lord I can't do church in America. I said, because in church in America, we talk big, but nobody wants to lay down and die. And the invitation to the kingdom of God is not an invitation to be blessed. It's an invitation to be changed. God did not call us out of darkness into light to give us the car we want. He called you out of darkness into light to give you the heart you needed. He did not call us out of hell into heaven to give you more friends. He called you out of hell into heaven to give you a destiny. And we have let our mindset become corrupted by people who made us convinced that spirituality is soft, that power is absent. That victory is far and fleeting. So we settled 
for having people around us who agreed with our dysfunction while we sat on ships that were sinking and through parties while we died. And the kingdom of God is within you. God is calling the giant killers to stir and awaken. God is calling those that have inside of them words for nations to awake from your slumber. God is calling people to say, you've got your whole life to go here and there. But can you take some time to give people what you have forgotten? Can you give away the kingdom and its power until people are transformed? Can you find five people who have never tasted the glory of God and stand beside them until they receive what you carry? Can you invest in another? Because the rest of the world wish they had one hour of what we throw away. One hour. One hour. We stood all lifted hands and singing and one of the leaders said to me, he said, we've never been able to sing this loud. He said, because where I am, I can't sing this loud because they'll hear us. So they do a whole worship service at a whisper with everybody's hands lifted and people weeping because they're glad to be there. And we got the freedom. That's why I am so glad when my sister took off and others are praising God, you better understand when you got the freedom to praise him and you don't, something is wrong internally. When the rest of the world is begging God, give me one day when I can praise you like I want to praise you and nobody going to report me and have the police come in and nobody going to try to get me killed for praising God. And we got freedom. Ah. Oh, we got to stop throwing away gold and picking up dirt. What most of us have been trained to do is we throw away gold and pick up dirt. You've got words from God. And instead of us thinking about the word of the Lord, we say, well, what did they say about me? And we focus on dirt, gossip, slander. God is giving you visions for people and instead of pushing into the vision and giving it, you turn on TV to see who said what about who. They lied yesterday, they lying today. <laughs> you should never be shocked that liars lie. You've got power in your hands and somebody is waiting on a miracle. Oh, Sons and daughters of God, you are full of power, full of victory, and the world is thirsty. Why hide your water when the world is thirsty? Why hide the glory when the world is suffering? How long do they have to die? while we pray for someone else to go. Send me, Lord. I'll go. You don't have to go around the world. Just go down your street. I'll go. What started my ministry years ago was I told God, 
When I tell you yes, I will not take it back. And to as much as he has helped me do it, I gave him a yes. And I left my yes in his hand. And if he send me, I said, I'll go. I say to you, the greatness and the glory of God that is in you begins with a yes. Whatever God asks you to do, tell him yes. And then obey that yes. Don't change midstream when it gets difficult. Don't change when you get frustrated. Stop blaming everybody else for you not fulfilling your commitment. Well, if they would, God knew they were going to be mean to you and he sent you anyway. <laughs> so it's never about them that keeps you from being great. It is that you choose to let their dysfunction affect you because you'd rather be dysfunctional than change. Because some of us don't know who we'd be if we let God change us. Oh, but if God has never, never lied, never done evil, never done wrong, why not trust him? If he's been good from the beginning, until now why not trust him if he's fed you when you didn't know him and he's fed you since you've met him he'll keep food on your table why not trust him he kept rain falling on the just and the unjust he kept a roof over your head even if you were on the street the stars that were above you did not fall and kill you while you were homeless he kept you alive why not trust him and now that you know him, with all this faith and all this power, why doubt him now that you know him? He took care of you when you didn't. Now that you know him, trust him. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. Oh, my, my, my. Growing up. I promise I'm going to get to a scripture, but I just feel like, is this all right? Yeah. Growing up, it was so simple. I feel like we're all sitting together in a room just talking. Oh, because, yeah, we are. The song that we just simply sung, I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. Till I die, I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord till I die. And the old mothers would stand up. I'm going to stay on the battle. <laughs> I'm going to stay on the battle. I'm going to stay on the battlefield till I die. <laughs> I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. 
I'm gonna stay on the battlefield till I die. Eventually, you have to make a choice. I'm gonna do this till I die. I'm gonna trust God till I die. It don't matter what report comes my way. I'm going to trust God till I die. And since I'm going to trust him, I might as well fight for it. I'm going to stay on the battlefield. I'm not going to run from my assignment. I'm not going to leave my calling. You know how people get messed up halfway through their journey? Is they forgot who they were serving. If you're serving yourself or you're serving your own mind, you'll get weary. You'll get frustrated. Get mad at God. But if you stay a servant, I'm a son, but I'm a servant. I'm a willing servant. Because I choose to serve him. Wherever he puts me is good ground. Because I'm serving him. So if I'm sweeping floors or talking to presidents, it is the same. If I'm ministering to someone who's covered in sores or to someone in a $3,000 suit, it is the same. Servants don't judge the room they serve in. They follow the assignment. God is calling us to higher thought. To higher thinking, to cease from striving, to stop needing to be right, to no longer need to be rewarded. No one needs to pat us on the back and say thank you. We do it for him. No one needs to tell you you're awesome. He told you you're saved. <laughs> no one needs to tell you he said and so he's calling us now will we do for him what we said when we received him I am fully his and I'm fully changed and because I am fully his and fully changed I am fully committed I say to some I feel like we're having family time I say to some, this is the hour now where you have to let God weed your heart. This is the hour now where you cannot take for granted the great and glorious things that God has given us. Because with every great release of God's presence, the enemy will come to try to plant something in the ground that God has now cleared. This is the story of the good ground, the rocks, the thistles, the thorns. This is the story of a good heart this is the story of the kingdom that whenever God is moving the first thing that happens when God begins to move is the enemy will try to plant the opposite in your heart and remember he plants seed some falls on good ground some on bad ground the enemy brings seed like God brings seed God brings the seed of his word so in every one of your hearts, the seed of God's promise, the seed of his word, the seed of his glory, the seed of promise has been planted. And as you cultivate it, it begins to grow. 
So the Word of God grows in you. The Spirit of God increases in capacity. The gifts grow. Everything in the kingdom expands over time. Nothing in the kingdom shrinks. It only grows. So the limitations of how much of the kingdom can be expressed in you and through you are equal to the level of what you let God do in your heart. So God plants these seeds and they begin to grow. Seeds of power and righteousness and glory and transformation. They are in you. You are full. You are full of his goodness and power. Then as they begin to grow, the enemy says, ah, the only way to stop this from manifesting in maturity is I have to try to plant the opposite. So I'm going to bring offense, bitterness, a bitter tongue, criticism of each other, lying against each other, twisted perception. I'm going to plant those things, rejection and isolation. I'm going to plant those things in your heart and then breathe on them. Now, some of us had those things in us since we were a child. So now we come into the kingdom of God and you are fully a new creature in Christ Jesus. You've received your new nature. You have a new identity. Remember in the kingdom, your spirit was made new in an instant. Your mind is transformed over time. Be renewed, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. So your mind, you must make a commitment to daily deal with your mind. If you don't deal with your mind on a daily basis, your mind will convince you to go back to who you were. Why? Because you had 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So your brain says my normal reaction, my normal mindset, my normal standard for operating is don't trust. My mind says my normal place is rejection. My mind says my normal place is feeling like everybody's against me. So your mind will continue to think like it thought before you met Jesus. So you've got this new kingdom in you, which is why you've got a messed up mind, but you lay your hands on sick people, they get healed because the kingdom still functions because your spirit is new, but your mind is the same. So you've got this kingdom power, which is why you can never let God's gift through you convince you that you are mature. Because it is God's power that heals. It is God's power that delivers. It is God's power that brought that prophetic word. You did not come up with the prophecy. You simply delivered the message. So on your best day, you are just UPS. You are delivering kingdom packages. Don't get it twisted. So if we understand I'm delivering a kingdom package, then I don't get twisted in my mind where I think, oh, I don't need to change. Ah, be ye transformed. So because I'm in the kingdom, this is part of the whole study and this is why we need to dig into this, where we're going with looking at Jesus and other religions. Every other religion tries to get you to believe this is what makes you spiritual. No, 
Jesus in this kingdom, what makes you a child of God is an instantaneous transformation that happened when you had a metanoia. You had a change of thought by receiving Christ. So at that moment, if you do nothing else for the next 40 years of your life, you are still saved. You received him, you are going to die and go to heaven, and you are going to be absolutely received in heaven, but you will be an infant spiritually. Because you did not mature. Maturity in the kingdom is equated to the legal authority you take over your own mind. The best way to say it is maturity is internal government. Internal government. If you cannot govern your own soul, you are a child. And if you've been saved five years or 50 years, if you are still having tantrums, still losing your cool, still acting crazy, still mad at folk, still bitter about what happened 10 years ago, still gossiping, still lying, still offended at everybody, you are a child. It don't matter how old your body or how big your frame, in the eyes of God, you can quote Revelation, but you are a baby until you deal with your soul because maturity means I recognize the parts of me that are acting different than what Jesus says is normal therefore what is not normal in the kingdom cannot be acceptable to me so I will submit me to the kingdom at that moment the father goes ah maturity not perfection maturity I love what Richard said, and it is absolutely true. What made you perfect before the law was the exchange with Jesus. What makes you mature before God is the mastery of your soul. Until you deal with your soul, you are immature. Born again, but immature. Full of gifts, but immature. Got power, but can't control yourself. Immature. So how do we get there? The transforming of the mind, the renewing of the mind, which means I have to acknowledge that the stuff that was normal to me as a child is not normal in the kingdom of God. So I have to now be willing to line up my thought processes with the Bible's thought processes. And I have to compare the two. And wherever the two don't line up, I have to make an active choice to acknowledge the Bible is right, I am wrong. Amen. If you do not make an active choice and a quality decision to acknowledge that the word is right and we are wrong, at that moment you have stepped into willing rebellion. Which means the Lord will allow you to keep yourself in whatever state you choose. Because God says, now I give you the power by the spirit to live victorious. I gave you the authority to change your mind by giving you scripture. So the scripture will rewrite your thinking. But the scripture cannot change your thinking if you don't admit your thinking is bad. <laughs> Y'all know I use food for all my examples, so. <laughs> I was sitting at a table, and it was a group of 
you know, teachers and speakers from all over the place. And they got into a conversation about something they were cooking. I won't say exactly what it is because they'll know that I'm talking about them, but they probably will by the end of the story anyway. And if they ever see this. And so they were talking about, and I said, no, 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 no. Because they said, we can't figure out how come every time we cook this, it doesn't turn out right. And I listened to them have the conversation with one of their friends and the friend was explaining it. They were explaining, I said, no, that's not the way you make it. And because they didn't know that I am a cook and a good cook, I can cook. They didn't know I was, so they looked at me and said, Well, no, that's not how we made it. I said, well, who taught you to cook this? (laughs) And and they said, well, my grandmama. I said, well, then your grandmama was wrong. And you would have thought, you, ooh, 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 ooh. I mean, it got so quiet in there, it was like Hillary showing up at a prayer meeting. It was bad. It was bad. It was like everybody shut down. Yes, Lord. For those of you that got offended at that, it was like Trump going for a lie detector. So I got stuff for both of you. So it just shut the whole thing down. (laughs) Hey, I lost some of you. That's all right. I got more for both sides because both sides is crazy right now. And for those in the room, you're supposed to be looking for what's righteous, not Republican. You're supposed to look for what's righteous, not Democrat. The moment you pick a political party as the place you stand rather than biblical standards, you will become an agent of division. And you are actively dividing people because you refuse to admit that both sides are wrong because both sides are human. I hadn't seen a righteous one yet. So we got to stop fighting over unrighteous decisions when we are righteous people. Let's do what's right all the time. Then we'll have power to change the world. So I I said to them, well, if that's how your grandmama cooked it, your grandmama was wrong. The whole table got quiet. This is what they said. That's the only way I know how to fix it. And I looked at them and I said, I'm trying to tell you the right way. And there was a third person at the table, and this is what made us both laugh. All they said was, sister, you already said every time you cook it, it don't work. If he's giving you a different option, maybe you ought to listen. Jesus comes along down through 40 and two generations, and he says, every thought process y'all have had on your own has not produced freedom. From Abraham till now, from Adam until David, from David all the way up to the prophets, from the prophets all the way to Jesus, every person born on the planet tried to actively create a thought process to get themselves victory. They tried to bake a cake that could get them the spiritual authority they always were missing. And God says, your recipe won't work. The only way to make this thing work is you have to mix it my way cook it my way and wait for it. We in the kingdom have to understand that outside of God's way, it won't work. Now that's not legalistic. That's simply simplistic. Anything that is powerful must be simple or it will be mishandled. 
God makes all things simple. Not easy, but simple. It's simple to obey God. It's not hard. It's simple to see healing. It's not hard. It's simple. Now, it's not always easy, but it is never complicated. The moment something becomes complicated, people created a new blueprint. The Bible is simple. That's why Jesus says a wayfaring man, though a fool, cannot err therein. It means God says, I'm going to make the kingdom so simple. Anybody who wants it can walk it out. It's not complicated. You don't need three degrees to understand God. You don't need to know Greek and Hebrew to understand God. I'm meeting leaders from different parts of the world who are sharing a Bible. I got these chapters, you got those chapters, and I'll take the other ones when you're done. And the only place they're able to get some information is on their phone. And yet, one is leading churches in different cities, in revival. Ain't never read the whole Bible yet. Hadn't been to no conferences. But he heard the God that moved into him, this king of the universe. He heard him when he came in. He said, I'm coming into you with power. And he said, power to do what? Power to change the world. How can I change the world? Believe what you've received. What did I receive? Life. And he believed an invisible person. Some of us have 30 books on our shelves. DVD series. Been to every conference from everybody we love. We've been laid out on the floor more times than a pair of shoes. We've had more hands laid on us than the clothes at Nordstrom's. And won't believe. Won't believe. Because however your brain was trained is how you're still thinking. And if you don't change your thought process, all the oil and power in the world will sit on you, but it won't flow through you because the hinge of heaven, the hinge that makes things move is the mind, the will. You must choose to agree. When you agree, the door swings open. When you say yes, the hinge swings and everything happens. It is a choice. You must choose what you believe. Amen. Well, I don't feel powerful. You don't have to feel it. Choose. Well, I don't feel healed yet. You don't have to feel healed. Choose to believe you're healed. Well, I don't feel like anything's changed. It's never going to feel like it changed. Choose to believe it will change. Your choices open the glory of God. Your choices bring heaven down. I feel depressed. Then feel depressed, but say out of your mouth, I am not depressed. Well, I feel like nobody loves me. Well, that's a lie from the devil. So say out of your mouth, I am in the family of God. Well, I just feel like I'm broke. Well, everybody's broke depending on what you're trying to buy. If I need to spend three million and I only got two, I'm broke. It's the power of percentages. What's in your mind? 
On every level of wealth, there is a new expectation and expression. So on this level, yeah, you might feel it, but you got more than you had 10 years ago. You got to have perspective, change your perception. Recognize if God is for you, God is the agent of change so he can open any opportunity. You have to believe that, but you have to change your thinking. Because we were trained, wherever you were trained, that became your normal. Your normal limits your future. Your normal limits your future. Your normal limits your future. Your future will become your expectations. Your expectations are created by what you look at as possible. If you do not think something is possible, you will never expect it. So whatever your level of normal is, you have to have a greater level of normal or you will never expect more. And if you don't ever expect more, you can never receive more. So you are living in a place that God called too small years ago. Because you received the prophecy, but you never changed your mind. You heard God say he was going to bless you. Yes, but you never changed your mind about how much blessing was yours. So God said, I'm trying to get this to you. But all you'll make room for is that. Your expectation will create your future. Your normal creates your expectation. You've got to change your normal. That's what the Word of God does. The Word of God comes in and the Word of God begins to walk through your mind. And the Word of God walks through the recesses of your mind and begins to touch some things and say, not normal, not normal, not normal. The Word of God walks through your mind and says, fear is not normal. Don't let fear live here. Fear is not normal. Don't ever be afraid. So how do you deal with it? You have to now take what the word says is normal. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you have to speak the normal into the place that's not normal until the not normal becomes normal. You have to say what he says until it rewrites your programming. That's how you get rid of something. You have to overwrite the program. You have to say what he said, repeat it, continue to declare it until that becomes the overwhelming voice that you hear in your head. So when fear comes, it finds no more space in you because you filled up that space with faith. That's what Jesus meant when he declared the prince of this world comes, but he has no space in me. Mm. I have given him no territory. I have written every piece of my internal land with a promise of God, with the authority of God. Every part of the house in which I dwell, I have written the promises of God in every room so that when the enemy comes, he cannot get in my mind because my mind believes. He cannot get in my heart because my heart forgives. He cannot get in my belly because my belly has no bitterness. 
He cannot get in my bones because I'm forgiving and blessing people. He cannot get in my spirit because my spirit is a well of living water because I'm continually worshiping God. He cannot get in my future because I'm speaking the word now and the word is creating my tomorrow. He cannot get in my relationships because if one takes one, I give them two. If they steal from me, I tell them have it all. If they curse me, I bless them. He cannot get in my money because I'm tithing and I'm sowing. He cannot get in my health because by his stripes I am healed. So however long I got to walk with it, I'm going to walk with it till it goes. But I'm going to make sure he has no space in me. You do not let the enemy own territory in you. And he only owns territory if you recognize he's there and you go, well, that's just how I am. The moment you agree with dysfunction, you give the devil permission to sit on your land. He doesn't have permission because you are kingdom. You are heir. You are born again. You had to give him permission like Adam in the garden had to commit an act of treason against the government of God and eat something that disconnected him from his source of power. You had to eat a wrong confession, eat a bad image of yourself, eat a lie continually. The enemy whispered in your ear to get you to eat what he was selling and you had to actively acknowledge, I don't want truth because truth will make me change. I would rather stay the normal of my family the normal of my friends, the normal of where I came from. So I'm going to stay normal. And God says, your normal will get you killed. You've got to step into who you now are. You are kingdom. You are righteous. You are born again. You are spirit filled. You are victorious. Don't ever settle for less. But you've got to confront your thinking. You have to say, this is not my normal. This is not my normal. This has been how my family is, but it will not be how I remain. This is not my normal. Growing up as a child, I loved to argue with people. I was an arguer. I was a word worker. I would argue you into a corner. I would, didn't matter what it was about. If you said it was raining, I go, no, it's sunny. <laughs> if you said it was sunny, it's raining. I just liked it I, for no reason. I didn't feel alive unless there was a confrontation. You know, some people don't feel normal unless they're causing storms. I didn't feel normal unless I was agitating people. Now, some of y'all laughing, but you the same way. <laughs> you the same way. You the same way. You've been blaming your family for your dysfunction for years. How do you know it's you? If everybody you know is wrong, it's you. Everybody in the world ain't crazy. If everybody wrong, it's you, baby. It's you. I don't know why all my friends are against me. We can tell you, it's you. I don't know why nobody likes me. Well, we can help you. You give them reasons to not like you. Everybody in the world didn't hate Jesus. 
So when you think everybody is against you, it's you. Now, why do I say that? Because that's how I learned. I was praying one day and I I'd just gotten born again and the Lord was moving in my life. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I need new friends. And the Lord said, you don't need new friends. I was 17. You don't need new friends. He said, you just need to be a better person. Well, I bind that. I did. I said, Lord. He said, no. He said, don't you know that he that would have a friend must show himself friendly? He said, when's the last time you were just nice? I went, oh. He said, haven't you read that in the time of contention, a good word is like a cold drink of water? He said, have you given anybody good water to drink? I said, what do you mean? He said, when everything is going wrong, have you spoken kind words to those you think are against you? Now, that wasn't my normal. Since it wasn't my normal, I literally went and I thought, no, that's not that real. And so I didn't. And I kept going like that, kept going like that. And I love people, people love me, but it wasn't until I got up in my mid-20s that I recognized there's a problem. And the Lord told me when I was 17, eight years earlier, eight years of broken friendships, bad relationships, eight years of people hearing me prophesy, but nobody wanted to hang out. And I couldn't figure out why. And then the Lord said to me when I was praying about it, he said, I gave you your answer eight years ago. He said, now either you're going to choose to change your thinking or you're going to live your life under the assumption that the whole world hates you. And I went to town changing my brain. I went to town changing my thought process. I went to town saying, Lord, how do I change this? He said, every scripture on friendship, read it and begin to do what the word says. And you'll become such a good friend that they'll want to be your friend. That's how he taught me faith. That's how he taught me about healing. Whatever the word says is your normal. Whatever the word says is your normal. Your normal is not the family you came from. Just in case you don't know it, every one of us came from crazy. I know most of you don't believe it. I know some of you think your family is just angels with clothes on. But most of us came from crazy. Mm -hmm. do, do we agree? Do we understand? All right. All right. The camera can't see you. You can raise your hand. All right. <laughs> and don't look around. Don't give it away. Don't, don't look at nobody and go, I'm sitting next to. So now what, because I realized every person on the planet was born since Adam missing something. Jesus gives you fullness. So all of us were missing something. So no matter how great your family, there was some part that they didn't know how to do as much as Christ wanted them to know. That means when you come into the kingdom, you have to confront what you've been taught and say, that was good, but there is a higher level. There's a higher level. To choose the kingdom above what you know to choose his model above your history.
That is how we choose to grow. And God is taking us somewhere deeper than we've been. The last piece I'm going to say, and then we're, we're going to be just about done. Is when you begin to deal with your own thinking, you have to do one simple thing. Once you begin to recognize what's not normal, once you take on the word of God and make it your normal, once you begin to speak what God says, you have to rewrite your programming. So you speak the word of God continually until that thought becomes louder than your previous thought. And then the last thing is this. He says, casting down every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, I love that verse, but I love it in this sense. He says, cast down every thought that doesn't line up with what you know to be true about God. Cast down, take captive, put underneath your feet every thought that you know is not true about God. Now that right there can set you free. That means the moment my brain says, oh, I don't know if God's going to heal me. Wait a minute. Cast that thing down immediately because what I know about God is God's a healer. What I know about God is he is Jehovah Jireh. What I know about God is from the beginning of time to the end of time, he starts in the garden by making them perfect. Jesus goes up on a tree and declares, I have taken your sickness and your disease. And in the book of Revelation, we've got the trees, the leaves for the healing of the nations. So he's a healer from start to finish. So what I know about God is he's a healer. So you're not going to get that in my brain working on my faith system until I start to question, maybe he don't heal some stuff. No, what I know about him is he's a healer. What I know about God is God is faithful. So the moment somebody tells a story or I get a thought that says, you know, maybe the Lord's not going to answer me about this. Wait a minute. Cast that thing down because I know he's faithful. He's never lied. He will never lie to me. He's going to come through. He's got a history with me. I can look at God's record and he's been good. So I won't let that in. What happens to most of us is we let a opposite thought hit our brain and we don't deal with it at that moment. And if you let something stay around in your head long enough, have you ever had just one fly in your house? Just one. I don't mean like 10, 20. If you got like 20 flies in your house, you need an exterminator. You need to, you need to wash some stuff. But if you got, I'm like, come on now, come on now. If they flying in in packs, woo. But if you, you know, you know, you go to some people's house, I don't want to kill the insects because I don't know if they pets because they look like they own the place. So I'm like, I don't, mm, all right. I was going to kill that roach, but it looked like he belonged here. So, okay. So when you get, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. To whoever has a roach in their house right now, please go kill it. Okay. Now, 
It's not your friend. It's not your friend. I remember one of the first times I went overseas, I woke up, there was, they call them water bugs. That's just a big roach. I don't care what you rename it. That's a big roach. That was a roach so big, you could have put a saddle on that thing. I'm like, you could ride that sucker. That is, and I didn't want to go kill him because I didn't know if he had friends. You know, you kill one and they come looking for him. Then you got to explain. So I'm like, I'm going to leave you alone. You leave me alone. We'll have breakfast in the morning. All right. You look like you was here before I got here. <laughs> like I threw him a pillow when I went to sleep. I'm like, you know, here, be comfortable. Just stay over there. Now, <laughs> I'm sorry. Now what? I got to recover now. All right. One fly. Just one fly, you get irritated. And you notice you will hunt for it. Just one fly. Especially when you turn the light off and your TV is on and, and the fly wants to land on the TV. And, then, and now you, you can't even watch TV. Because now you just... And you become an assassin. Like you have just worked for the CIA. They have trained you. You get that piece of newspaper or the side of a shoe and you're standing for like three minutes. And inside you're praying in the spirit. Let him land right there. Let him land right there. We should, you know you asking God, line him. You praying that God help you kill something. You know you do. You come into agreement. And all of a sudden that fly just get right there and you suddenly realize how quick you are. You, bam. And you start rejoicing for like three minutes. I got him. I got him. You start showing other family members, look. Now why is that important? A thought, a thought, a thought that is not from God is like something that enters your atmosphere to annoy you. And it starts buzzing around your ear and it's buzzing around your faith. And if you let that thing land, it's going to eventually produce more flies. And pretty soon you got extra doubts and new unbelief and you afraid of stuff you was never afraid before. And now every time you go to worship in your ear and you go to pray and you trying to trust God all because you didn't kill it when it was just one. When that one doubt come, when that one unbelief come, when that one fear come, you got to take the word of God like a piece of newspaper. You got to stand in faith. You got to say today is the last day I'm going to think like this and kill that thought. Casting down every thought that exalts itself, everything flying in the face of your faith. You got to kill that thing. And suddenly you recognize my mind is resting. When you get those thoughts out of your mind, your mind rests. You suddenly sleep good all night. You got peace. You're not worried about nothing. Can't nobody mess with you. You can see your enemies and go, bless you. You can see trouble coming and go, you can't stay. You can see worry coming and go, I'm not bothered by you. Because your mind's at peace. 
But if you let that thing hover, eventually you always looking around your life to see, did it produce more fear? Did I let this stay too long? You got to kill it the first time. Take it out. Don't let it stay. This is the power of the kingdom. Every thought in your head that don't line up with God, take it out. Choose a different thought. Actively confront your thoughts when they don't line up with God. And then press into his presence. Press into his presence. Press into his presence. Oh, my, 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 my. Yes, Lord. Now, I want to do something. And then we're, we're, we're going to be released. Oh, my, 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 my. Oh, Jesus, we bless your name. Yes, Lord. Father, we come before you right now. Lord, in this room, and even those who are watching, and we bring our minds to you. We bring every thought to you that has been fighting against what we know to be true. And we say right now, we take authority over our thoughts. We take authority over every thought that tries to come to us and rest on us. And we choose now to believe your word. We choose now to agree with you. We choose now to pick a new thought. Now in the name of Jesus, we actively speak over our own minds. We declare we have the mind of Christ. We declare we have your thoughts. We declare every thought that is raised up against you, we cast it down. We are not afraid, but we are full of faith. For you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We declare that we are not sorrowful, but we are full of joy. For we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. We declare that we are not broken and wounded, but he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We declare that we are the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. We declare your word is our reality, and our reality is in your word. And we take hold now, and we believe your word. We trust you. We stand on your promises. We declare that we and our whole houses shall be saved. We speak the blessing of the Lord and the provision of God. And we take hold by faith that what you say is true and it is real. And we declare it so. In the mighty name of Jesus, we declare it so. We declare it so. Now I want us to do something. I want us to take about a minute and I want you to find one or two people and I want you to begin to pray for them. To pray that wherever they need breakthrough, God will release breakthrough. Right now, just in this house, find somebody. For those that are watching, find somebody right now, even in your own family. Grab someone, agree with someone. Yes, Lord. Oh, we worship you. We honor you. Yeah. Oh, Ramamamamamana, yeah, 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 yeah.